0: Welcome to Ordinarily Extraordinary Conversations with Women in STEM. I'm your host, Kathy Nelson, an electrical engineer who loves to hear and share stories of other women in STEM. To start with today, I would like to let you know about some exciting new things that I'm doing with the podcast. I have new ways to connect with you and opportunities for you to support the podcast. You can connect with me through Patreon, which provides opportunities to connect and also support the podcast. I've been doing this podcast for about three years and have over 100 episodes. This is all independently produced, and if you could consider supporting the podcast so that I can continue to bring these women's stories to the world, I would really appreciate it. So you can look for me on Patreon. And you can also find links to support the podcast and ways to connect with me on my website, which is at www.ordinarily-extraordinary.com. And if you'd like to send me email to connect or offer suggestions of topics, you can email me at ordinarily pod at gmail.com. So I get to find out about the best jobs through this podcast, and there are so many amazing women out there just doing absolutely amazing things. Today's guest is really fun, and I am just Excited to share her story? Anna Litvinova is a flight test engineer. She does some really cool things, like designing test plans and then flying in planes to run the test plans. Anna grew up in Russia and Germany before coming to the U.S. at 16, where she completed high school, went to university, and now works. She has a Bachelor's of Science in Aerospace Engineering and is currently working on a Master's in Flight Test Engineering. Anna has had so many amazing experiences that she shares on this podcast, in addition to talking about her job and what she does. It was really such a fun conversation, and I am just absolutely delighted to be able to share her story. Hi, Kathy. Hi,
1: Anna. So good to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah, I hope the setup is going to work. I just most over the past week, just getting situated in a new space. You sound really good. Is it a good move for you? Is it a better place or... Yes, very much. Much happier about it. It's very spacious. It's very light. Lots of like natural light. And that makes my day much better when I get home from work.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Natural light is important. I live yeah. in Minnesota where it's, always, I don't want to say always cloudy, but wintertime can be very cloudy. And natural light, but clouded natural light. And I miss sunshine and all that stuff I think is like really important. So, do you live with anyone? Do you have pets? Are you by yourself in your new space, or what's that for you?
1: Yeah, I live on my own. Some of my family lives in Michigan. My mom lives in Michigan, and she does have a cat, so I visit them. Obviously, having grown up without cat, there's lots of like affection. Always <laughs> definitely missing him, but he is much better off in Michigan. I think being able to have a bigger house and run around there and. So much better than my apartment. What part of the country are you in? In Savannah, Georgia. Okay.
0: So I am really excited to have you on the podcast and learn more about what you do because I think you, your job sounds like a really cool job. One of the things that I think is really interesting as I talk to more women on my podcast is I'm like, oh my God, there's so many cool jobs that I had no idea existed it's when I was okay. growing up. And I'm like, I want to do this for a job. I'm getting close to retirement. So I've done. Gonna actually change that, but you have a job that sounds really interesting. So you are a flight test engineer.
1: Is your job as cool as it sounds? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and it's been it's been very interesting for me to also looking back at some of your episodes. And for example, the episode about the wellness engineer, I thought that was like so interesting and so fun. And similarly to you, there are so many jobs out there that I think are. So exciting. And I'm also, I wish I would have like several lives to be able to try all of them. I <laughs> um, totally agree with you on that. So coming back to your question, I think flight like as engineer, it is a fun and it it's a very exciting job. I have the opportunity or I'm lucky enough to be able to fly on the job several times per week in a very, whenever you have a very busy period or are in a certification process or to certification of an airplane, there are definitely less. Busier times where it's a lot of like data crunching, data analysis, report writing. Some companies, a flightless engineer, flightless engineering role or a job can look different depending on the company where you work. For example, flightless engineers are very often in the control room in organizations where flying on the airplane is not as ideal or it is a one seat airplane. Flightless engineers usually monitor. So that being said, the company where, or that I am with, I'm able to actually fly, and I'm so grateful for that. What is a flight test engineer? Essentially, there is the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, or the EASA, which is the European equivalent agency. It is a federal agency that prescribes a certain laws, certain regulations that an airplane needs to attest to or perform towards, and those laws include anything and everything on your takeoffs or landing, runway distances, all kinds of maneuvers that an airplane needs to be able to do. And so when a company wants to produce an airplane, this airplane needs to be able to do all of these things first before being able to be mass produced and then eventually sold to customers. So as a flight test engineer, essentially we write the test plan first that aligns with those certain regulations, and then we go out and test per that approved test plan, that test plan goes through a rigorous process, all kinds of reviews by cognizant engineers, or management by safety officers within the company, and then the FAA as well. And afterwards we test, per that test plan, testing can take several weeks depending on how large your test plan is. And then during the execution. I, as the flight test engineer, I sit in the back of a cabin of an airplane. So, if you imagine an er- airplane completely empty inside, strapped off, like no interior whatsoever. So, you have the two test pilots in the front in the cockpit. And then in the back, you have an empty airplane. And then you have two racks, at least within our planes, we have two racks for flight test engineers. And those racks have two monitors on them and then computers for us to be able to look at data real time. And we have all the required safety equipment on board, of course, and for any case that something may go wrong. And so on on a flight, I I'm present on the flight as a flight test engineer. I walk the test pilots through what maneuver they are about to do. They are executing the maneuver. I watch them in real time, and then usually we fly two flight test engineers and then two test pilots on board, depending on your risk level of the mission. And then after getting back to the office, usually. We take a few days to analyze the data, and then eventually that data goes into a formal report. A report can be hundreds of pages long, including all the time histories and whatnot, whatever is required for a rigorous data review. And then the report gets reviewed by the applicable agency, and that demonstrates the ability of the airplane to do all the maneuvers successfully. And then, yeah, and then I think once it's reviewed by the... um, respective agency, the airplane is eventually ready to be produced and then sold to customers. How did you become a flight test engineer? What got you interested in doing this for a job? That's a great question, actually. I've been asking myself that recently. Growing up, I wanted to do anything and everything related to aviation. I wanted to be a test pilot. I wanted to be a flight attendant. I wanted to be an air traffic controller. For one reason or the other, things didn't align in those jobs. And once it became time for me to choose what I want to do for my undergraduate career, when I was graduating high school, I was watching quite a lot of aircraft investigations and just in general reading a lot about aviation because I had that passion from a younger age. And I wasn't bad at like mass. Engineering was the route that made the most sense for me at that time. I went with aerospace engineering because that kind of, I was like best of both worlds. I like aviation. I like airplanes. I'm relatively good at math and physics. So I went with that degree. And then once I was in my studies, I think in my junior year, I really became interested in one of the electives that were offered at my school, which was a flightist engineering introductory class. And I just fell in love with it. Everything aligned with what I always wanted to do. When I was closer to graduation, I started applying for jobs, looking for jobs in that field. Never expected that I would be so fortunate enough to be able to start right out of college in that, in that field over that career. And yeah, so that was my path towards it.
0: So you graduated with your bachelor's degree in 2020. So you've been doing this job for what, about going on just
1: about three years? Yeah, about Three years. So I started in August 2020. So that's two and a half years ish. Okay. Yeah. Is it what you were expecting or did you
0: know what to expect? Is it more than what you expected? Like, how has your career been so far versus what you th- were thinking it might be?
1: So I think it's definitely exceeded my expectations. The learning curve is incredibly steep, but I think that fits my personality and my attitudes just right because I'm naturally very curious and been constant wanting to learn more, wanting to try different things and being in that environment and just being able to absorb everything like a sponge was just what I was looking for and so much more. I think I'm definitely really grateful for all the responsibilities and for all the opportunities that I've been given. Yeah, it's been great. Okay, so I want to ask a question that is probably
0: hard. So you just, you can answer however you choose to. What is a typical day in your life? And I know you talk about some days you're on planes, some days you're writing reports. (laughs) If you could pick a typical day, what would that look like? Like what would a day in the life of a flight test
1: engineer be possibly? Sure. I can, I'll pick a day where we would have a test flight, for example, and I'll start it off with the evening, let's say, or the night before. The evening or the second half of the day before, I am usually planning out the mission that we will be doing the next day. So planning out a mission includes putting together specific documentation that would include the aircraft configuration, the weight that we would be at, and then all the maneuvers that we would be doing throughout the day. So all these maneuvers I usually shared with the crew that will be on the mission the next day. So, I make sure that I share it with my engineer who will be on board with me during that time, and then the two test pilots that will be on board as, as well. And then I make sure that I answer all of their questions prior to the execution in the next day. So, then the actual day starts from an early morning. We usually try to get out relatively early because a lot of tests are weather dependent, like, we want calm conditions. We don't want rain or we don't want it to be really windy. The first step before a mission is that we get together in a room. It's usually a conference room. It's called a a mission brief. That's when the whole crew gets together. So the four of us, we discuss the whole mission objective, the test points that we will be doing. The test points are the maneuvers. And then after all that is really clear to everyone, we go through the safety procedures. So in the event of some risk existing that is associated with the maneuver, what would we be doing in response to that? That's a very important part of our briefs to always emphasize on safety wherever possible. And then afterwards, once everyone is comfortable, that that mission brief usually takes about an hour. And then we go onto the airplane, let's say at nine in the morning. And then depending on how many maneuvers, how many test points we need to do throughout the day, a flight can take four to five hours. If there's some refueling in between, we come back to our home airports where we're located, refuel, and then go out again to complete any additional testing. And then once we return, we gather once again in that conference room as a crew. It's called a debriefs. So after the mission, we discuss the results and go over any questions that may have came up throughout the flight. And then as I touched on this before already, but on the airplane, I'm sitting in front of my computer screen and watching the data, communicating with the crew. Same goes for my other engineer who is on board with me as well. She or he has the, we work as a team, we back each other up and divide our tasks between each other. And then, so jumping back to, let's see, come back, we do the debrief. And then I usually go back to my my space at my desk. And wrap up any documentation that may have, that may be outstanding. Usually write a short summary report. That's what we call it. Usually describing what was done throughout the mission, what was accomplished and the results. That's usually a one page, max two page report, just informing the organization of what was accomplished on that day. So, and then usually that pretty much ends a typical flying day.
0: So are these like private plane sized planes? Are they
1: commercial sized planes? So what kind of what kind of size plane are you in? If one could compare it to a commercial sized plane, I would say our airplanes can fit about 19 to 20 passengers if you would distribute the seating in a way it is in a commercial airplane. But our airplanes are usually used for business owners and uh, any special clients, company owners, as I mentioned, CEOs and government, officials and such.
0: Okay. I get horrible motion sickness. I'm gonna guess you probably don't. Do you <laughs> not? Or do you ever?
1: Not that would. I, I haven't gotten motion sick yet. We do carry specific we call them there's not really a name for it, but specific baggies that in Mm -hmm. case feel sick on the airplane we're able to take care of ourselves even if someone starts feeling not really well throughout the mission they are always very encouraged to speak up we can always turn around come back home to be able to take care of ourselves
0: what about okay so in these maneuvers that you are that that the pilots are doing are any of them like scary are they like what kind of things are they testing and what kind of things are they What are you doing on on these test plans? And do you ever get
1: scared? So, I'm part of a flight test subgroup which focuses on aerodynamic and performance flight testing. And we also have the avionics testing and then the power plant and mechanical systems. So, the power plant and mechanical systems group deals with a lot of the engine testing. And then the avionics group deals with any of the digital computers installed on the airplane, any interfaces that the pilots interact with. And the air performance group, we deal with a lot of the performing qualities, the handling qualities of the airplane kind of testing. So that's what I have the most experience in at this time. And some of the maneuvers that we do is, for example, decelerating to a very, very slow speed. So this finding our stall speed, confirming that this is where the stall speed is like matching the predictions that were made for the airplane because there are certain predictions that have been already calculated. So we are confirming that those match. And then some other testing is, I've been part of a lot of landing testing, essentially making sure that the airplane is able to land at a certain angle, at a certain speed. If the airplane is coming in on an approach at a lower speed than he would usually be at. So we want to make sure that the airplane is still able to land, and then we do some flight controls testing, for example, that requires us to disable one of the essential control surfaces, like the aileron. And so a little bit of everything, it's a very big, I guess, matrix, one can call it. There's a lot of characteristics that need to be tested, but those are broken down by test plan, so each test plan has its own purpose, It so is like a flight control a test plan, there is a handling qualities test plan, a little bit of everything. And in terms of being scared, I've never, I've never been scared before. And because I think that's due to the fact that it's always very emphasized on safety and being able to speak out if you see that something is not right or if something doesn't seem right to us. Also, I remember one of the most, one of the most senior engineers that we have on the team I've been in our company. He is absolutely brilliant and has been with the company for several years and has seen so many programs already. He mentioned that if I was, if I would ever feel unsafe, I would have never been, I'd have never stepped on, on the airplane. And I think hearing that from someone like him, someone who's so experienced and so knowledgeable, just gave me that assurance even more. Do test plans
0: always go... How you think they're going to go or do you ever get some test plans that are completely different than what you thought they would be in theory?
1: I think when we were picking the maneuvers for the test plan we go very much per the inputs from different parties and you know, which includes like cognizant engineers for example or test pilots and we try to or as much as we try to work very closely together people Sometimes have different opinions or make you consider something even more. For example, one of the college engineers could, let's say, once when reviewing my test plan, you could mention something like, Oh, have you considered this? Or have you considered doing this maneuver? So that sets, when I get that kind of feedback, it's, it makes me really think more actively and making any changes and makes me realize, Oh, I haven't thought of that. And I guess. Because tested in that way. So it sounds like you have had a really positive
0: experience starting out in your career from school. How, like, in your, like, company or your work group or the other engineers that you work with, like, how many of them are women compared to, are you, like, very much in a minority? Are you in just somewhat of a minority? I'm going to assume you're probably in some sort of a minority.
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> definitely a minority and uh, but we've been seeing more and more women joining our team, joining the company, which is amazing to see. And uh, I always find that very inspiring and uh, always makes me very happy. So I think even thinking back to college and my aerospace classes, we had maybe like a handful of young ladies. In, in my classes, so less than 10 for sure. And then now in my workspace, let's say maybe about at least within our department in the flight test department, it is about let's say 10%, 10 to 15% are women. So there's chakras to be made, but I'm hopeful that there's more to come. And I think he tried to do outreach events and trying to attract the younger generation empower the younger generation and hoping to see more and more of a time to come so how were the men that you work with
0: when you started working so i worked in the utility industry as an electrical engineer mm-hmm. and when i started i was the first woman that was ever in the field with like linemen and stuff and wow for yeah. the most part they were like the like really welcoming and there was some challenge it's it. There were some challenges, but only from maybe like a couple of jerks, right? Like for the most part, it was a pretty positive experience. And for the most part, I was like this unique unicorn. And they're like, let me take you up in a bucket truck. Let me like show you this. Let me show you that, whatever. How has your experience been? Because I think it's really hard when you're coming in and you're young and you're female. It can be intimidating. How was your experience with your like male colleagues when you're coming into the company?
1: Yes, I think that's something that a lot of women, unfortunately, have to deal with is having to break that ice when starting out as a new person and then realizing that one is different. But I think for me, (laughs) similarly to you, it was a, or it still is, it's a very positive experience. And when I started right out of college, I went into my job not focusing on the fact that I am Different or that I'm female. I'm just, I just went in with the mentality that I'm here to learn. I'm here to contribute to the team. I'm here to really be as helpful as I can and to just absorb everything. Like I never thought twice about really distinguishing myself just because of my gender. And I think that has really helped me only taking the positive tips from everything and from our environment. I think overall our team is Thankfully or our company overall is very welcoming of, of women. And I have not dealt with anything specifically targeted towards my my gender. I think there have definitely been times where I know that there was it was my shortcoming, but that was because I didn't know enough or I wasn't experienced enough to make, make a certain call or a certain decision. But I think there's the combination of being newly graduated and
0: young and female and so there's there's a lot that goes into it that's not necessarily right. just being female or male or there's exactly. a lot that goes into it. but it sounds like you came into a work environment that has been very positive and has not and welcoming which is the way that it should be and so that's the way yeah. that it, that's the way that the world should be.
1: Yeah, so, so I'm so really grateful glad to for hear that. that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. I have a question for you. So, your Degree is in aerospace, aeronautical, and astronautical engineering. What is the difference between the three terms?
1: <laughs> Actually, the aerospace engineering was my overall degree that was the degree that was awarded to me. And throughout the program, we took classes that focused on space, and then fo- classes that focused on airplanes, so aviation, and then air and then space sciences. So for space science, we took classes such as orbital mechanics, or for the aviation side, we took aircraft design, for example. I know that several schools throughout the nation do it differently. Some students get to choose which route they want to go. So if you go the aeronautical way, that's I believe that's, you would go the airplane aviation route. And if you go the astronautical or the aerospace route, you would go towards the space sector or that's where your mm. that's what your classes would be targeted towards I think that's the wording for it I'm maybe confusing it but it's my understanding I had a mix of both basically
0: okay tell me about what was your education experience like you talked about that there were like very few women but how was your college experience and did you find any challenges? there or was that also really good positive experience
1: what was your college experience like so overall i think i had a good starting point or college prepared me really well for my career it was a smaller school with a smaller aerospace engineering program so once you progress past your sophomore year the classes started to become more focused on the engineering aspect that's when you have all your prerequisites completed right like all your calc all your physics that's when you would actually go into classes focused on aerospace. And so I wish I would have had the opportunity to have gained experience in different student clubs. We had a student involved with like NASA projects or the solar car. They always seemed so engaged in it, but I was really, I was just so focused on doing a naturally i'm trying to be a perfectionist and i really focus on my classes and then on my ongoing internship so i that's one thing i wish i would have done more of like thinking back like being more involved on a like hands-on project because we had a lot of it available even though it was a smaller university a smaller airspace engineering program in terms of just the environment there and my professors I think for the most part, most of them were encouraging. Of course, there were some setbacks. There were some comments that weren't always supportive, I would say. But I just always reminded myself that I'm doing this to follow my passion. And this is my dream and no one else's. And no matter what, I just need to believe in myself and then I'll get there. Yeah, I'm
0: tired of comments. I just mean like in general, I don't really get comments now but just the fact that women still get comments and girls still get comments and it's frustrating i just want things to get better and get better faster so that people don't have and- to have comments that either make them feel less than or in some cases like turn them away or keep them from even entering i just want to be a better place
1: Exactly. Just a more more inclusive one, right? Like why why do we need to differentiate ourselves or, as you said, have receive uncalled comments, right? Or like criticism. Hopefully. Hopefully and eventually. Hopefully.
0: In your LinkedIn profile, you talked about moving around a lot when you were growing up. So why did you move around so much and how has that experience impacted your life
1: and maybe what you want to do? I moved from Russia when I was eight years old, moved from Russia to Germany. And then in Germany, I got the opportunity to live in Munich and then in Frankfurt. And I lived in Germany in the total for about eight years, and then moved to the United States for my junior and senior year of high school, and then followed by college. I moved around because my mom, she's an incredible scientist. She is doing physics research. And so that has taken us to- Oh, I love
0: your mom already. I love
1: physics. (laughs) She will really appreciate hearing that. (laughs) She's incredibly smart, so passionate about what she does. And I'm hopeful and so excited to see what she has coming up. Yeah, essentially that kind of drove us to move around because she had either different opportunities that she got offered. And so I think one way that it has impacted me is definitely becoming more open minded and really appreciative of the blessings that I have or the opportunities that I'm having. It was a bit challenging once having moved to the US because um my English wasn't great and I just left all of my friends in Germany and it was at an age where you don't want to move across the no. world. But I think I successfully overcame that and I'm Thinking back, of course, grateful that we got to come here and because all the experiences and the opportunity that I'm having here in, this, yeah, in the United States are un- immeasurable. I think it's really interesting
0: where people's passions and stuff come from. So, was your mom a contributing factor to you wanting to go into a STEM field or even like aerospace specifically? What kind of role did she play or other people in your past play
1: into what you wanted to do? Yeah, so she for sure was someone who always encouraged me to be in STEM. And from a younger age, I would do, I guess like my education was heavily emphasized on like math and, and just science in general. And I wasn't something extraordinary at it, I think, but I was good. Um, and I most, for the most part, enjoyed math like while I was in school. And then some of my dad, He's also a physicist. I think I was heavily influenced by both of them from my childhood. Did your parents then, meet? Now I'm just curious. Did
0: they meet in school, or how did they meet? Did, did <laughs> they work together? Or
1: yeah, yeah. I it meet in university back back in Russia while studying physics. I feel like it, that could that be like, kind of,
0: of, like there should be like a good novel about right,
1: that. Right. <laughs> I would love that. And then I remember my dad he used to assemble those airplane models, and then we would have them hanging in our house. And I was too smart that point to help with anything, but I remember looking at them. And so I think that's where my like, passion started. That's awesome. Plus, physics really is like
0: one of my favorite things.
1: <laughs> do you still talk to any of your friends that are in Germany? Yeah, I definitely do. And I try to. So I speak Russian, German, and obviously English. I try to maintain all of the three. Languages as much as I can, so through reading or podcasts or talking to my friends. So, trying to talk to my friends in Germany every now and then, whether that's through like voice notes, that helps me the most to maintain my speaking. So, it definitely, it's hard when you are separated by a planet, by the, by the planet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then, of course, after after high school, everyone kind of went their own ways, right? And it's It became harder to maintain those relationships. But I'm grateful for the friends that still are kind of in the vicinity that I know that I can reach out to, check in with. So what
0: about Russia? Do you, like, do you, when you're, like, with your parents, do you speak Russian or how do you keep your Russian
1: language skills up? Yeah, so I, I speak Russian with my mom. And when I visit her, she lives in Michigan right now. Whenever I go visiting her every few months, and then I come like, FaceTime, also talk Russian. And then I try to stay in touch with my extended family and in Russia as well so my grandparents. That's how I keep up the speaking part. And then I read quite a bit in Russian and I listen to pop- podcasts. So having that like, around me really helps maintaining it. So
0: I saw that you were or maybe are a gymnastics coach. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. because um, So I did gymnastics a long time ago, and I was terrible. I was not good, but I did it anyway. So yeah. tell me about, like, your gymnastics coaching. I did you do gymnastics gymnastic-
1: growing up, too? Yeah, I think gymnastics is honestly great for kids, like, at a very young age. It just helps to, like, maintain your health and just, like, physically allow you to grow, grow up, like, more in a more healthy way. So I started doing gymnastics when I was... I did rhythmic gymnastics first for a year or two, and then when I was six, I switched to artistic gymnastics, which is like floor, beam, bars, vault, and uh, so I did that for about 10 years, and then so while I was in Germany, I was a gymnastics coach at my local club, so I would, with another coach, we would lead a group, like a group of kids, I want to say they were like five to seven. Push them, prepare them for like statewide competition. Unfortunately, I don't, ever since moving to the US, I haven't been engaged at all. But it was a very fun time because at that point I was actively still doing gymnastics, doing competitions, but also coaching and uh, coaching kids. It's just so much fun. So, is
0: that something that you quit like when you came to the US because you came to the US or was it something like some
1: other reason? Yeah, so I think the main reason thinking back was I came to the U.S. There was a lot of catching up to do at school. I was, I was still coming from a German education system to a U.S. education system. You had to have a certain amount of credits to be able to graduate, right, from a high school here in the United States. And I was missing a few credits, like some classes didn't account for. So I just had a huge workload. Mm. And just the priorities were somewhere else. And it didn't make sense for me to continue. So is
0: that hard? I'm, I'm sure that it's hard, like moving from another country and you, with all the language barriers. Honestly, like school is hard enough, like in your own language. So trying to learn a language on top of it and try to understand the content in a different language and then have things that you love that you don't get to do anymore. Like how challenging was that? So I tried to
1: do it for a month or two, like when moving here. But then quickly realized that it's just not. It's not working out. And I'm. I was also at an age where I was 16, and I figured, okay, I'm. I won't be getting, let's say, like a scholarship or something to attend college through gymnastics, just because I cannot focus on it as much mm-hmm. at this time. I have other priorities. I need to learn a language. I need to catch up on my credit, because. When coming here in my junior year, I didn't even have a GPA. It was like it was zero. Okay, oh, it's completely so, different,
0: right? It's a completely different yeah. school system, so nothing would translate over. Nothing would I'm tra- guessing? exactly. Yes,
1: yeah, so I would. I had I had credits that I took. Let's say biology, right? But then, it was, there was not, no great associated. But essentially, I did have to give it up, and it was it was frustrating, of course, to realize that that's something that like brought me joy most of, most of my life, and then. That's something I I need to give up now. I think that was just like part of becoming more mature, becoming like a young adult to realize what your priorities should be now. Okay, so I feel like I've
0: got three kids. I've got a 17-year-old, a 21-year-old today. It's her birthday today. And then a 24-year-old. Yes, very exciting day, 21. (laughs) Big deal, at least in the U.S. And I feel like my kids would be pissed at me. (laughs) if they had to give something up were you pissed at your parents because uh, you moved me to this country and you took this thing away from me like I feel like that's what my kids <laughs> would be
1: I I was yeah to be honest I was frustrated I think like obviously in, in hindsight now I realize this was definitely for the best for us and our family but in that moment yes I was I felt that so many things that are being taken away from me and I was sad for a while of course having to Give up my friend's gymnastics and hobbies and having to reshift my focus to something else. But thinking back, I wouldn't want it to go any other way because that just made me know the person I am today.
0: Yeah, I thousand percent agree with that. Like, I think every challenge that I have gone through, I'm trying to think if there's any that I that this doesn't apply to. I'll just go with most of the challenges and things that like appear to be like really bad and really hard. And generally, when I look back on them, like when you get past them, it it does make life better, but it sucks to go through it.
1: Exactly, right? Like I, I totally agree. When you're going through it, it's tough to maintain that positive outlook. Um, but there's a phrase and there's a book that I really like. It's called A Man's Search for Meaning by um, Victor. My husband has Hunker.
0: that on his nightstand. My husband doesn't read like anything and he somebody gave it to him for his birthday and he's reading it.
1: <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. I hope he likes it. It's, it's not a really a good my favorite book. Books. I read it. I love that book. Yeah. And it's just it really emphasizes on the fact that like anything that happens to us in life, it's it's about how we how we choose to react to it, right? It's about our response to it. It's not necessarily about um what is happening. We we can choose how we respond to a certain situation and, and choose either being negative about it or positive and try to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, it's a really good book with a great message and yeah. yeah thousand percent um do you have siblings
1: no only child unfortunately so you didn't have anyone to go
0: through this experience with you were just like literally like on your own yeah 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 how did you find coming to the U.S. and starting high school as I'm assuming a junior how did you find that were people welcoming was that challenging what was that experience like for you and
1: um, so unfortunately, and I, and again, I can't, I, I don't, I've only seen one state, right? So I don't really know. It, and only one community. So I don't know if that's, if that, it would be everywhere like that. But coming to my high school, it was a large high school. i would say 1500 kids, maybe. But for me, it seemed large and everyone had their groups mm-hmm. and everyone would have their own like lunch table. And I remember lunch with, something I dreaded the most because I just, I didn't know who to sit with, who mm-hmm. to be friends with, and people were very enclosed in their social circles and they mm-hmm. wouldn't really let anyone in. I, I became friends with some amazing exchange students though, and they are still friends up to this day because exchange students went through a very similar scenario. They mm-hmm. are being thrown into a foreign country for a whole year the whole year to make the most of it to learn as much as they can to make as many experiences as possible i think i'm just so grateful that i got to connect with them because if i wouldn't have had those those friends at that time it would have been really tough and really lonely i think
0: did you eventually make any friends in high school that like you keep in contact with that weren't exchange students did it take a while or did it just not happen because you had two years and that was it and then you were off to to university and college?
1: I think it took about a year because so my whole junior year I was mostly around exchange students and then I was also learning English at that time so it wasn't it was hard for me in general to just approach someone and try to become friends but then in my senior year that's so much better I think I was more open to making connections and I was on the track and field team. So I was friends of, it, of it, the people on the team. We got to hang out after school. I was also part of the cheer team. So I think it just took time. Eventually I just needed to be more brave and more confident in my speaking abilities. Like I, cause I always had the fear that people wouldn't understand me. And um, yeah, eventually we got there. <laughs> Well, I'm curious, and I
0: don't know if you would know this like from your experience or not, but so like in Minnesota, I always say have said I don't know if you've heard the term Minnesota nice, but like I've always felt that it's like this kind of like false niceness. There's not that many people that with the exception of Minneapolis St. Paul area, there's not a whole lot of people that like immigrate to Minnesota. Could I don't know if you can see out my window, could be the fact that we have snow <laughs> and we're supposed to have a blizzard tomorrow and it's April. And that's April, why people right don't want right to come right to Minnesota. Right. Don't blame them. <laughs> but I found I was born in Colorado, but I lived in, I've lived in Minnesota since I was seven, but in different parts of the state. And so like when I graduated from college and started my first job, I moved across the state. I didn't know anybody. Didn't know at my company. And I found it really hard to make friends because I feel like people have had their friends since like preschool. Like, yes. how do you get into a community when people have been friends with each other since they were like two, and you're an outsider, and there's nothing that you can do to change that, because yeah. no, I didn't go to that preschool. I haven't been friends with you since gotcha. I was two. It's really hard. Is that kind of similar to what you experience? That just people just have been friends for so long that they have their friends. They're comfortable. They don't really want yes. anyone new. Like I, I find it really hard. I still do. I yeah. still. I moved. About 15 years ago to where I live now. And I don't work where I live. And I still don't have very many friends, but like where I live, I just, I think there are places and Michigan feels in my mind a lot like Minnesota. I'm just curious if that's what you experienced.
1: Yeah. So I definitely sympathize so, so much with you. be and like coming to the high school, I had a very similar experience of childhood. Well the kids. I've been friends with each other since kindergarten, right? I went to the mm-hmm. same preschool, elementary, middle school. And it was always this community where it's just like really hard to get into. And I was frustrated because I didn't understand why people weren't welcoming. Like I, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me because maybe because of the way I was raised, the way I grew up, I don't know It was always emphasized, done Just like welcoming others, taking care of each other. And not having felt that when I first came to the new country, to the new high school, especially from the kids, was a bit, was definitely challenging. Might have had something to do with the age as well, because when you're 15, 16, you go through that young adult phase. Oh, it's terrible for everybody.
0: Like that. So I feel like what you probably went through is just like, completely like exponentially harder because middle school and high school is so hard anyway and people are not nice. Especially girls. Like they're not really nice to each (laughs) other.
1: And then now I'm looking at all the amazing like women like, like you and then so many like organizations that are empowering like women in STEM and how supportive everyone is of each other like doing like empowering other women to do their thing. And thinking back, I wish like, girls would have been that nice like back in high school. But again, so I think a lot of that was attributed not to people necessarily trying to be mean, just maybe it was that age that they were going through and just the community that they were so used to. And they maybe didn't see a sense of making friends with someone who, you know, who will, we will all graduate from high school anyways, we'll go on our own path, so... Whatever the reason was, it's fine.
0: I guess the upside is that it gets better, right? Like, I don't, like, honestly, that, And I think high school is better than middle school, but it's just hard. Like, it is just, it's a really hard age. And then add in being different, right? Because the whole thing, like, when you're in middle yeah. school and high school, at least in the U.S., and I can't speak to Germany or Russia, but you don't want to stand out, right? That's, like, the worst <laughs> thing is to stand out and be different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: and then everyone thinks you're just such a weirdo and then exactly like, <laughs> exactly
0: and then it's like you get out eventually and like it's so good to stand out and that's what people like but right? when exactly. you're in high school and middle school it's just so hard and so right. awful it's awful <laughs> so i'm sorry yeah. that and it was okay. not a better experience for you starting out i'm glad that it's gotten better and i'm glad that have you found Have you found a community of like friends and stuff in Savannah and in the place that you work now and stuff? Like, how is how has that been? Has that been like more welcoming? Is,
1: is the South better? For sure, and even I have to say, like, when going through college, I had an amazing friend group, in which I am just so grateful for. And then when moving to this house, it's definitely different from the Midwest, and people are very friendly. People are welcoming and I've met incredible colleagues and friends here. They call my second family, which like our whole team at work is very tight knit together. So I couldn't have asked for a better team and it just shows, it proves to me again, that whatever maybe happened in the past just built me up towards what I have right now. And so I'm grateful for whatever friendship and, or like really relationships I had previously. If, even if they, those didn't work out.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, that whole saying or song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I don't know yeah. if that's like a good thing not or not. <laughs> sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. I got like mixed thoughts on that. But that's just what came to my mind when you just said that. Yeah. Okay, so you also talked about travel and photography being like two of your hobbies which are actually like two things that I love to do too what's your favorite place that you have traveled to and where what's on your bucket list for traveling
1: oh my goodness that's such a hard question there's, there's so many there. <laughs> right. and I think it's really hard for me to pick a favorite because I think every place that I went to is just very unique and uh, beautiful in its own way. There's something beautiful that I take away from every place that I went to. And I recently went to Lisbon in Portugal, hmm. which was such a fun, vibrant city. Great local, very safe, great food, right on the water. So I'm looking forward to going again, actually, at some point. It's definitely something I want to do. One place in my bucket list, though, is going to Tanzania. Mm. and um, always wanted to see that place or that part of the world. I've never been to Africa as a continent and uh, really want to go on a safari, see the beautiful animal, even just from afar. So yeah, that's definitely something I would love to do one day. Yeah, you don't definitely you definitely
0: don't want to see them too close up. <laughs>
1: <The animals. laughs> gotta be gotta be careful with that, right? <laughs> what kind of photography do you do? Or do you like to do? So I, I'm just a hobby photographer. I do film photography. Oh, um, you do? Yeah. Basically, who, who whoever listens to this and doesn't know much about film photography, it's basically a camera that makes pictures in a older older style. Like you take pictures on a soul and then you take that film out and then you either bring it in or send it in for processing. So you don't get to see the pictures actually when you are taking them in real time and i think for me that's the beauty of it that you get that surprise factor once the pictures come back so yeah that's what i love to do on the side how hard is it to find film still so i just usually i order mine online i haven't been able to find find the ones that i need for my camera in the store here and then for sure, actually processing the film i also mail mine in or to a place that processes it. So they process it and then they scan it and send me a Dropbox link. So it's this whole thing. <laughs> Have but you ever
0: thought of having a dark room and like doing your own processing?
1: Has that ever crossed your mind? I would love to eventually, yeah. I think that would be really fun. And being able to play, because it also very often it also depends on the person that processes your film and on the technique that they're doing. I would love to experiment with that a little bit. Yeah, it seems really cool. I've never
0: done it. I'm pretty old. So I had a film cam- camera for most of my life, but but I never did like the processing and stuff. But I think it, it seems really yeah. interesting. Like I think that would yeah. be an interesting thing to learn how to do. For sure. Yeah. I'm going to back up for a second. So yeah. you are also working on a master's degree, right? That's correct. Yeah. How is that going while you're working? Is that challenging? Mm. To do that while you're still working?
1: I'm doing a master's in flight test engineering at the uh, National Class Pilot School. And thankfully the program works out in a way that I can do it part-time while not taking too much time away from work. I am very grateful again to my employer who allows me to make that happen. But it is challenging at times when I need to focus solely on the class uh, because I basically, I get one shot at it And then I have one exam at the end of every class. I need to do good or I would need to retake it eventually at some point. And there's just no time. But it's been... So if you have a bad day, you're closed for that whole class? So the classes are a week long. And it's uh, a very fast-paced, compressed environment. So you have class from 8 to 6 or 8 to 5, depending on the day. And then afterwards, you either do like homework or some project. And then at the end of that week, you take a final exam. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that, that's how the program works for me, only doing the academics portion. Because at test pilot school, students usually have the academics followed by flying. Um, but then since I'm doing flying on the job and then the way my setup works, I only come for the academics part. I've been really feeling the benefit of it. I feel so much smarter on my job, actually. So that's been really rewarding. I think to see and seeing that it's really worth it. What do you want to do,
0: like in your career? Do you have
1: goals and like long term plans? Nothing long term as of right now. I only right now I want to focus on becoming a great expert in my field. Become the just for myself, or my own, I guess, metric, though, I go flight as engineer, be a good member of my team, contribute as much as I can, learn as much as I can. That's for the next two or three years, for sure. I just want to take on all the challenges and all the opportunities and allow myself to grow in the job as much as, as, much as possible and obviously contribute as much as possible. And then just see where it takes me. Sometimes doors open that I could have never imagined. Yeah, I agree with that one too. And I never know where my master's program is going to take me. That one also came out of nowhere. So yeah, we'll see where life takes me. Do you fly? Do you pilot anything or not? Or is that something you want to do or don't want to do? I intend to, for sure. Once I'm, once I finish my master's degree, I would love to do helicopter For some reason, that called me. Some of my colleagues call me crazy for that, (laughs) but I think it it would be really fun. I would love to do both: fixed wings of airplane and helicopter. But you have a lot of
0: life left and things to
1: explore and try. And seems very exciting. If and if one never tries, then they'll never know. Right? There's no harm in trying. Exactly. Okay, so I always end with what advice would you give to a girl or young woman thinking about going into STEM? I would say be curious, be open-minded, be passionate about what you do, be humble, and then be observant and like a sponge, try to learn from any opportunity that comes your way because that will help you build your skill set, your confidence, and then don't let anyone tell you or disencourage you from your dreams because anything is possible if you set your mind to it.
0: Love that advice. So good. And honestly I love your quote. If one never tries, one never knows. That's that's a great quote.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I am so glad that I got to talk with you more in the podcast and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And I just I love The work that you do, it sounds
1: so exciting and fun, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me. I have such a big smile on my face right now, and so grateful that I got to share my story, and thank you for being such an amazing host and for all the great questions. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ordinarily Extraordinary and
0: Honest Story. You can find a list of definitions, acronyms, and resources in the episode notes. And if you could do something else, if you could support the podcast by doing a couple things. One, if you could rate it, write a review, that's really, really important to help other people find my podcast and bring these women's stories to more listeners. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you can consider supporting the podcast through either Patreon or going out to my website, there's a couple of other ways you can support it there. And you can find me, Kathy Nelson, at www.ordinarily-extraordinary.com. Or you can email me at ordinarilyextraordinarypod at gmail.com. Thanks, and please join me for future episodes.